Big Finish for the love of stories. You're listening to the Big Finish podcast, released date the 20th of February 2022. Commander, I have computer's report on those radio transmissions we received. It took a while. That's a hell of a lot of data. And they're only the edited highlights. Most of it's incoherent, but this symbol is clear enough. Right. Um It's basically the equivalent of a skull and crossbones recurring over and over. I got a bad feeling about this. I'm Benji Clifford, he's oh, Nick Briggs, and yes. time for your weekly celebration of the audio worlds of Big Finish. <laughs> Any minute now, Benji and I will be chatting what about more on our new first doctor with actor Stephen Noonan emailing in what? And a shout out to all our friends at the Gallifrey One convention. Then it'll be time for the good review guide, talking The Robot Series 4, starring Nicola Walker, Claire Rushbrook, David Collins, wow. Pamela Salem, John Colshaw, Carolyn Seymour as well. What a cast. Wow. It's amazing. Wowzers. Livchenko, voice validated. Following that, we're off behind the scenes with the latest Torchwood episode out this week. It's Sunny by Lizzie Hopley. I am Sunny. I am your friend. And it'll be rainy if you go up to the northeast. Um, following that, uh, we're, that's, I was just reading your bit there. Then, like a, a rather too fresh southwesterly breeze, it's very breezy here today, isn't it? My goodness. Oh, yes. uh, it'll be time for listeners' emails sent to podcast at bigfinish.com, packed with your latest comments and questions. In our also available segment, we'll be looking behind the scenes at our latest Space 1999 release with an episode entitled Mooncatcher by the ever brilliant Mark Platt. I'm Mark Platt, and I wrote Space. Space 1999, Mooncatcher. Then the randomoid Selectatron will, naturally enough, mm. be offering you an inspiring 25% mm. discount <laughs> on a randomly selected Big Finish release. And so we round things off with a free 15-minute drama tease of Space 1999, Mooncatcher! I'm picking up more of those life signs. Life signs? Victor Paul, are you reading me? Get out of there now. That's an order. Uh, in a moment, we'll be giving a shout out to all our Big Finish friends at the Gallifrey One Doctor Who convention in LA. Uh, Benji, can you look up who they might be? Because I can't. I know Jason's gone and Heather and uh, Emily Cook. And, uh, anyway, but first, here's a special early listener email from none other than Stephen Noonan, our um, new first doctor. Um, I listened to the podcast this morning, he says, after saying, Dear Nick, and I can't tell you how touched I was by your conversation with Benji about our work. That's nice, isn't it? Oh, that's lovely. I think we had a chat a while back about how two people can be enthusiasts of the same thing, but their conversation reveals two utterly different perspectives, as if they might as well be talking about completely disparate objects. From the start, you and I were clearly simpatico about this enterprise and eavesdropping on you discussing it with Benji reveals just how precisely and profoundly you've got what I was trying to do with it. This is the first doctor, oh. obviously. Not only that, 
but your gift of condensing and, ca- and encapsulating oceans of information for the listener is remarkable. This is rather nice, isn't it? Um, my ability to read it out very well is is in question, though. And likewise, Benji's ability to articulate his appreciation. <laughs> I'm just proving it now by not actually being able to say words. His appreciation of what you're telling him is delightful. Benji, you're delightful. Sincere thanks to both of you for giving it so much time and attention. And here we are giving it more, Stephen. Uh, Having got through the always ambivalent experience of hearing yourself talked about, however positively, it was great to then relax and enjoy the rest of the podcast, which, as usual, amused me no end. Your 12-year-old self's misunderstanding of Tom Baker taking on the mantle was a particular highlight. (laughs) Taking on the mantle of Doctor Who, the only mantle I'd heard of, was a mantelpiece and the idea of him as a perennially compulsive pilferer of mantelpieces <laughs> is one that shall stay with me and may perhaps still afford me a wry smile in my decline i.e tuesday fortnight <laughs> anyway the big finish podcast is nothing short of being the ideal way to start a sunday morning i'll give you and benji clifford 10 by 02 out of 909 obviously it's a very and high score it is the uh, 10 0 0 so one zero, I don't know. Anyway, it's the galactic cent, uh, cent zero center, as mentioned in Pyramids of Mars. I knew I recognized it, but I had to look it up to make sure. And the 909 is from the Sunmakers, or as you like to call it, Benji. The Sunman. <laughs> How's that for a listener's email? Says, That's uh, a corking email, Stephen. that one, isn't it? Warmest regards. S. There's some, uh, they're pumping out the air. Uh, what a lovely from... man. What a lovely man. <laughs> Well, I've got the lineup what here a lovely well for, for Gallifrey One, by the way. Yeah, who's there? Sylvester McCoy, Mandip Gill, uh, Joe Martin, Sasha Dewan, Fraser Hines. Um, we've got. I, uh, I saw a photo Eric- of Fraser Hines, who's wearing a T-shirt that looks like a suit. Very a, a, witty. A, t- a toot. A toot. <laughs> uh, Eric Roberts. We've got as well as that. We've got uh, big finishes there. Is he as dressed well. for the occasion, Eric? He's always dressed for the occasion. Uh, we've got India Fisher there, Sadie yes. Miller, Christopher Naylor, Lauren Cornelius. Um, who else have we got from the big Finnish massive? Well, Heather Challenge yeah, is there, yeah. Lisa Mullin, Gary Russell. Um, it's Matt Fitton's there. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, it's well represented. Emily Cook's there, well represented. Jason Hay Gallery, of course. Of course. Uh, as well as that, you know, well represented on the big finish front this year. Well, hello uh, to you all, if any of you are listening. Um, sorry not to be there, but I hope you're having a lovely time. Uh, I think the winds will have diminished by now. Well, anybody flying in out the today, UK. They will, they'll. Uh, you know, they'll be there in about five minutes. So what? it's just so windy, isn't it? <laughs> such a te- Actually, I think the wind's coming the wrong way. In which case, it'll, they'll it'll be there next down. year's, in time for next year. I know Heather said her flight was 11 hours. I think it's quicker coming back usually, isn't it? I just mm. sleep on the way back from these things. So I don't, you know, you just, it's always rather pleasant because you're there for about an hour in the air, fall asleep, wake up, you've got food arriving. And before you know it, you've got to pack up and go. It's lovely. Yeah, I try and do a bit of sleeping as well. I think it's the only way. You know, there's some people. I don't. I don't think it's a good idea. But some people, for any flight, they just take sleeping pills. And I think, why are you doing that? It's a bit dodgy. But um, well, not everyone sleeps as easily as we do, Benji. This is true. This is true. I. I, I would say I like I a sleep, baby. I sleep very easily. 
even if I do like I was dream I had a dream didn't I Nick I messaged you and Jamie I had a dream yeah. that Jamie Anderson was trying to <laughs> force me you're telling everyone force me to buy suits he was doing a charity do and uh, he said oh, oh thank you so much Benji um, I've saved the suits so you can buy them I'm just so glad I looked at them and they were like 500 pounds and there were loads of these 70 suits with flares and then you you and him were there and you said oh, of course you know Mark Gatiss is so pleased he you know when I told him you were buying all the suits he was just delighted you know he would bought something himself and I said oh did he buy some uh, he bought a bow tie for 10 pounds yeah he's just <laughs> I thought you rotters but um dear oh dear but yeah that was my sleep anyway yeah that's incredible it's funny that people say sleep I sleep slept like a baby I always yeah. say well did you you know do a poo and a wee and wake up crying. I was going to say, babies don't, babies don't really sleep that they're well. They're not known. If, you, you know, if any of you listening are parents and have recently become parents, you, you will know that the main thing babies are known for is not sleeping. That's Yeah, that's their, their trademark. They sleep it? in the afternoon, but then when you put them to bed at night, yeah, it's quite, you sleep, quite they, a They sleep story. when you don't, you don't really want them to, to sleep and, and, and don't sleep when you do, I think mm. is the problem, isn't it really? It's always when you, it's always when you sit down. I used to work at a baby hospital, and it's always that. It's when you sit down, you think, oh, right, just sit down for five minutes. It never happens, does it? You have to get up and, yeah. I remember Ben falling asleep once when he was a, a toddler because he was in a, a, a terrible state of mind. Of course, it turned out that he was getting a cold, but they can't tell you that. And he was just constantly whining in this um, uh, little cafe. And we got to the point where we just couldn't do anything drinking to wine stop in him. a cafe. <laughs> Constantly that was the wine. problem as a three-year-old oh, drinking wine um and he uh he was just repeating some phrase i want to go outside that's what he's saying i want to go outside i want to <laughs> go outside because we'd said let's sit outside and then he didn't want to so we brought him inside and then the moment we brought him inside he's like, i want to go outside i want to go outside and we just we'd had to zone out from it because we thought we'll take him outside and then he'll want to come inside so it's just be a circle of doom you know and this person came over and said um I don't know whether you realise, but uh, uh, your son's making rather a lot of noise. <laughs> and we're like at the end of our tether. So I said to this woman, oh, yeah, well, um, why don't you sit down and uh, tell me all about uh, how to be a good parent then? I was really sarcastic. And she went, oh, because she was an older lady. And she said, well, my days of parenting are long gone. And I said, well, why don't you shut up then? <laughs> Which was very abusive and unpleasant of me. But I was at the, you know. At the end of your tether. Fr- uh, yes, frayed. And, um, and at that point, she kind of looked so appalled and looked round for support in the cafe and everyone else just got on with their meals at a kind of mm, no, we're with him sorry love <laughs> uh, and so she went off and then at that point I noticed that during all this Ben had just fallen asleep <laughs> classic classic just fast asleep the whole row had been caused by him and he was asleep for nothing for nothing in the end exactly. that's kids anyway that's, that's number that, one that was my pointless uh, child related uh, anecdote well, time now for our good review guide, finding the latest positive comments about Big Finish Productions to help recommend them for you. Not even Benji Clifford could find a segue from that into that. No, fair, fair, fair dues. And as promised, uh, this week we're looking at The Robots 4. Voice activated. Please commence voice imprint. Tulachenko. Voice validated. Livchenko. Voice validated. From Big Finish Productions. 
The Robots, Volume 4. This is a warning. We are the uprising. We are the enemy. User Tula Chenka is currently online. I have already created a fake avatar for you. Somebody's fitting you up. It must be. We're close to something. It's the robots. It always was. Oh, great. A blackout. It's just what we need. Oh, it's not a blackout. Then what is it? An EMP. It's the only explanation. This lab's airtight. If the ventilation's not working, we'll suffocate. I'm out of ideas. The desert. I need to find something. Uh, so do I. Something's buried there. A great many things are. But you're not actually going to kill me, are you? What was that? Skeleton, there are people dying out there. There's too many of them. We can't fight them all off. Stop. You are under arrest. Okay, deep breath. Big finish. We love stories. You are who you are programmed to be. Just go to bigfinish.com and type the robots for into the search. Four. Four. <laughs> It's like a carry-on film. <laughs> Look at that robot. Yeah, put that in the search bar at the top and head straight to Caldor. One-way ticket. Uh, first up, the Blue Box Podcast.co.uk. Jordan Shortman says, uh, from the strong performances from all um, involved to the brilliant scripts and great direction from the ever-reliable Ken Bentley, the ever robots reliable. continue to be very intelligent storytelling. It could be so easy to just retread the same ground as the robots of death. Instead, all the stories so far have been brilliantly handled, and Mm. they do something very different. Uh, And with modern terms and ideas that 1970s technology wouldn't have stood a chance of creating, I can't wait to hear more from this range. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, I think that's a 10 out of 10. It doesn't give a mark, but it's 10 glorious. out of 10. Yeah. It's yeah, well, I give that 10 out of 10. Uh, we made this network.com. Uh, Lachlan they? Haycock says, um, I like how the series doesn't always spell things out straight away. Uh, but that does mean you need to pay attention to keep track of the discrete plot threads and character motivations. Yes, pay attention. Yeah, the, the first artwork, it called itself the Rebots, didn't it? And we had to say, no, it's not spelt out the, the right way at first. Can you change it? <laughs> Which they did. Um, dear, oh dear. That was funny. And you certainly wouldn't <laughs> want that's to start We made bad jokes dot com. Uh, yeah. That's where I got yeah, that from. I'm- I'm the king of that. Uh, to start listening halfway through and miss everything that's come before. Now, you're going to have to edit those sentences together to make uh, sense of that, because I read it out very badly. The robot's foie ushers in some surprising revelations while keeping close to the themes and relationships the series does best. I think that's another. That's 11 out of uh, seven and a half. I the think. Spinal Tap review. <laughs> Turn it up to 11. Uh, we are... I was going to say we are rocks.cult, but it's actually we are cult.rocks. Don Mitchell says, uh, it's an impressive feat that after 12 episodes, this range still has so much potential and there are so many questions I still want to see answered. Mm-hmm. I'm certain that the next two box sets are going to be explosive. <laughs> and I'm looking forward to. That was the debris coming down. I'm looking forward to emergency, the great... That's the beep in the background there. Um, love it. Look at that. Uh, but for now, these three new episodes are more than exciting. 
enough, and a brilliant addition to ongoing story of Kaldor. It's not just a brilliant Doctor Who spin-off, but a fine slice of political sci-fi audio drama in its own right, mm. and is more than worth listening to for the first episode. And David Collins' unforgettable performance in it alone. Fantastic. That's uh, that's about um, uh, 7.25 out of three recurring forever well that's what recurring is uh, david collings yeah brillant the late great david collings in there uh cultbox.co.uk tony jones says it's telling the kind of story doctor who can't with complex threads historic and political perspectives and a lack of simple breeze in and save the day conclusions instead we have factions perspectives conflicts and alliances it also takes the conventions of robot stories and takes them forward for a new generation it's highly recommended but so highly recommended you only give it four out of five stars but four of those stars are blue and one of them is a different color tony so what does that mean i think it means 15 out of 13. Well, on the Twitter box made of cardboard, Keen Librarian is curating the response here with, Brilliant. Wow, The Robots Volume 4 is a masterpiece. Uh, the evolution of this story arc is so intriguing and has intensified times 100 uh, via the Dewey Decimal System. Uh, I love it. Bravo, big finish uh, at Rushbrook71. Nicola Walker can't wait for more. Brilliant. Nicola Walker can't wait for more. Patrick Moore. You're the of Saturn and uh, Uranus. At <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, TomHousen1218 says the robots from At Big Finish is another triumph, pushing this series forward. The world and characters of Kaldor are, as always, beautifully crafted, making for an excellent drama. I cannot wait for what's next for Liv and Co. Tom, you're going to have to, but thank you. Well, that's it for the reviews this week. Next time, we'll be talking about the worlds of Blake Seven, Avalon, Volume YouTube. Two. Brian I also, yeah, I'd like to mention uh, Matthew Kressel of Warped Factor, and I, I've, how I was rotten of me to say that Tony Filer is my favourite reviewer from Warped Factor, and not be nice to you, Matthew, because you write lots of great uh, reviews. And also, I, I never know how to pronounce your name, but Matthew has written in about it, and hopefully will feature in uh, next week's uh, podcast. There's there's one to really sit on the edge of your seat about, isn't it? I, uh, maybe not. We're still to come in this podcast, listeners' emails sent to podcast at bigfinish.com and are also available segment featuring Space 1999 Earthbound, but more specifically, an adventure called Mooncatcher. But first, let us delve behind the scenes with the latest in our Torchwood series, Sunny, by Lizzie Hopley. I am Sunny. I am your friend. I am your friend. <laughs> Hello, I'm Lizzie Hopley and I wrote Sonny. See, it's meant to be mine, but doesn't have a clue who I am. What's the point of it? As a personal starting point for um, Buddy itself that became Sonny, I had read a newspaper article quite a few years ago now about these robots in care homes. And I've obviously always had an interest in AI and robots and... Um, 
you know, the, the reality versus the, the science fiction, obviously. Um, and my interest lies very much between both those camps. But this particularly seemed dubious to me, um, both horrific and entertaining. And my mind had read it and then opened up a world of possibilities for, for story. They make money from people like you by providing synthetic care. Isn't that right, Sonny? I am synthetic, Reese. How can I care? This is a play about morally ambiguous people trying to do the best for old people without necessarily asking them. I'd say it's more of an assessment on the human system. Yeah, Gwen said we need to suss them out, you know, before they're rolled out nationwide, just to make sure... They don't kill us all! It's only for a week. Obviously, robots are hugely powerful things in terms of how emotionally attached or fearful we can be of them. So, yes, putting them in a scenario with people who are lonely and need companionship, you can see how powerful that will be. Good if it's what they want and it works. I don't have personally a fear of them malfunctioning unless I just stop working and their memory's wiped, in which case that could be very distressing to a human being. Um, but, you know, taking over the world, don't know. Because I understand that AI comes from programming. My greatest fear is, is drones being programmed to take out individuals and that going wrong for some reason. Not necessarily a malfunctioning robot in a care home manipulating an elderly person, but I think it would be a case of the human being manipulating themselves. Or indeed people manipulating the care system by leaning too much on technology and removing the human factor. That is what I'm most afraid of, I think putting your trust in something that isn't there because it is actually a robot. Um, and it is a distressing thing to anthropomorphize something and create that from nothing. Because that, is that creation valueless? Is it less real than something else? No, I honestly think there's, there's a huge... And that's a contentious issue. When you listen to John Ronson or read John Ronson's book, he's got an audiobook as well. He's got passage um, on artificial intelligence where he visits the very forefront of robotics, a robot that has been programmed by many parents. Each program is a parent to that, that robot. And of course, with that, you get the robot answering things in a way you hadn't expected or saying things that aren't necessarily logically connected to what they just said because their programming's coming from lots of different areas and the algorithm is something you don't understand. So that's when it can become very strange. Robots being given voices and emotion put into those voices. I still apologise to Alexa, for God's sake. I'll be visiting as often as I can. <laughs> yes, yes. The relationship between Reese and his mum is, I hope, believable and human and one I could certainly recognise. Reese is about family and everything about Torchwood and the life he has almost conspires against that. It's a work that trains you not to trust people and I think, I think he underestimates how vulnerable she is by putting her in this position or by her being put in this position in the story. You also don't want to think about your parents' mortality and Brenda certainly doesn't want to think about hers and suddenly they're forced to. So that's a phase that comes to everyone. So they do the obvious thing and blame Sonny. Mum, when did you start thinking like this? Did you do this? Plant this in her head? Driving a wedge between us like 
Prudy Pampria. I wanted them to be very human. I wanted... He, obviously, Reese is our hero and we adore him. And everything he does is for, is for Brenda. But he has a life and he's human and makes mistakes. And those mistakes have to be ones that you listen to the story and go, yeah, I'd do that. Yeah, that, I can see how that could happen. And I can see how we're our own worst enemies. Christ is going to guilt trip me as much as you do. Brenda as well. This is an opportunity. Obviously, she's devoted to Reese, but this is an opportunity for her to and see how she responds. And yes, she's got Sunny, but she's very much in a position where she, her own bravery, her independence, her emotions are tested. Imagine how terrifying it is to suddenly go, oh my gosh, I'm in this, I'm in this care home, I'm in this institution. This is potentially my future. Never saw myself in a place like this. Thought you'd take care of me. It's just until the case is over. Would I say this was an optimistic play? Um, oh God, I hope so. Yes, absolutely. I wanted it to be dark, but that's why I wanted everyone in it to be in a grey area. I'm Neris. I'm Welsh, of course, and I'm playing Brenda, who is the mother of Trees in Torchwood, and um, she's quite feisty, but she's got a heart of gold. It'll be okay, Sunny. I promise. She starts off being a bit belligerent because she's a bit cheesed off with her son, Reese, because he seems to just leave her and not bother listening to her. And Barry, her husband, sounds an absolute nightmare, just sits on a couch and shouts at her. So I don't blame her for being a bit huffy, but gradually, as the story goes on, she and the robot Sunny have a real relationship and there's a little moral in this story. It's a very sweet story. It's not sentimental, but it's got a very clear message that we should listen to each other, that we should care about each other, and we shouldn't just go on face value. I, th I think this is really... We shouldn't go with our prejudices. We should just listen. Not funny at all, which is exactly why we should laugh. <laughs> Just go to bigfinish.com and type Sunny. Now, this is spelt S-O-N-N-Y. Uh, and you put that into the search pane to encounter this thought-provoking piece of contemporary sci-fi. Yeah, great stuff. Time now for <laughs> me to say it's listeners' emails. Right, and the other thing that's thought-provoking here are all the emails we receive. We get so many of them. Uh, the wind is rattling the window panes at the moment, and uh, I like to think that lots of envelopes are fluttering around into our letterboxes. Do you like um, to think that? If you'd like to flutter in, uh, you can send your emails to podcast at bigfinish.com. Uh, first up, Andy Jeffs uh, is emailing in. Uh, from the year of our Lord, 1351, the 6th of Feb, 2022. Uh, subject to this one is percentages. I think I know where this is going. Um, <laughs> hello, Benji. Two podcasts ago. Two podcasts ago. Hello, Benji. Uh, how strange you should mention working out percentages. I was doing this too, this week. But it was that old chestnut that goes something like, Big Finish sold me a CD for £18. They discounted the price by 10%. Uh, what was the original selling price? Yeah, you can find that in your SATS paper. Um, that's a, a paper. Well, they don't even think they do them anymore, but it sounds like a mathematical thing. Uh, Nick, can you work the answer for that one out? 
Uh, no. So you can't? Well, I'll tell you the answer. You can see it. It's on here for you to see. The answer is £20. Uh, you see, 18 is actually 90% of the actual price. So 18 divided by 90 gives the value of 1% of the price, which is 20p. So 100% of the price is 20p multiplied by 100, 2,000p, or £20. Uh, anyway, mathematics, marvellous. Uh, anyway, uh, listen to Conquest of Far. Very enjoyable. Um, oh. That's uh, a third Doctor adventure I wrote ages ago. No, it's, it's, well, it's very enjoyable. Uh, yeah. Is that the original audio from the end of Planet of the Daleks used at the start? No, Ooh. no. It's uh, it's because it's. I have the final scene from Planet of the Daleks at the beginning, and then it carries on just when the Doctor sets the controls for Earth. The TARDIS goes haywire, and I just got Katie and Tim to react that scene. We played it to them just before, so they could sort of remember the intonations. It worked rather well. <sighs> makes me want to watch Planet of the Daleks now. As, as if <laughs> it doesn't it, take much, does it? It would be it'd be the first the first time in twenty twenty two that I've watched it, so I feel like oh, okay. I need to do that alone, quite frankly. Probably could last watched it in December, to be honest. Um, quite a bold choice, I thought, considering Tim Chalor's Third Doctor is not an impersonation of uh, Pertwee playing the Doctor. Uh, it's not a problem, though, because Tim captures the essence of the Third Doctor yes. so well in. Uh, in fact, uh, it makes a nice handover to the new actor from the old. Uh, lots of nice touches in this production, such as the robotizer countdown sounding very like the bomb drop count uh, from the countdown in the Invasion Earth film. Oh, Invasion no. Earth 2150 AD. Um, I listened to Dikes. a lot of radio drama, for extra mostly, where the cast and crew are read out over the closing titles of a production. Mm. Why don't Big Finish do this? Well, they mm. do, actually. We do now. Um, that is we don't we do. read out over the closing music. N not over the music. It's in its own isolated I know, track, but that's what, he's, that's what he's ah, saying. Ah, so I see. Uh, also, would it be possible to include a text file, TXT, uh, in the downloads listing cast and crew and possibly a brief plot outline? Nicholas, um, Well, um, both those things would be possible. Certainly the text file, that's, that's a nice idea. We should maybe... I should maybe bring that up at a meeting. Um, dot, dot txt. Uh, yeah, having but the, the the thing about the closing titles, um, we realised that people just buying downloads wouldn't necessarily have access to the cast information. I mean, they can look on the website. So we thought it would be a good idea. And also, if we were selling them on to other third-party digital distributors, the credits would need to be there. But... We realised that since Big Finish started, we, we didn't do that. And we didn't want people to be upset by having the closing themes um, with speaking all over them. Do you see what I mean? So we thought we'll have it as an extra file so that it doesn't upset people. Is, do you follow me? Benji? It's finding a happy medium, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Also, the other thing is that actually editing together the end credits to fit over a closing theme tune is quite time consuming and you know the sound designers and musicians have enough to do because not all the theme tunes are long enough to take all the credits so do you see what i mean what the headaches of getting that to fit so yeah, we we'd get we'd I've get past it. all that yeah exactly we get past all that uh, and we don't want to extend the theme tune just to make the credits you know fit so yeah we just thought we'd have it in a separate file 
I hope that that explained that. Good, it's good quite, ex- quite, explanation, actually. Quite bad explanation. Yeah. We've got one last little bit here. It says, yes. having mentioned four extra mm. and thinking of specifically the seventh dimension slot, which you sometimes host, Nick. Uh, yes, I know. Uh, uh, I know you know that because you do it. Uh, I'm surprised <laughs> that there are not more Big Finish productions featured. Uh, Big Finish's back catalogue is pretty big. There must be some audios that could be aired via Seventh Dimension without impacting revenue streams, etc. Too much. Keep up the great work, chaps. Andy. Well, Andy, uh, that's an interesting one. I mean, you know, um, it's probably time we spoke to Four Extra again. But, you know, it's, it's up to them what they want to buy from us. Uh, and it's up to them if they want to talk to us. We should maybe, yeah chat to them again they have cut down the number of days the fourth dimension the fourth dimension the seventh dimension is on <laughs> i've got my dimensions mixed up um but two, uh, two by four two by four because it, it used to be on every single day and now it's only on at the weekends so they don't need so much programming to fit in those gaps there next up nathan martin writes in um with about first doctor excitement he says this was in the year of our lord 1320 uh yeah, almost appropriate for one of the stories in the Outlaws box set of the First Doctor coming up in April. Uh, Dear Nick and Benji, I was already sold on Stephen Noonan's casting as the First Doctor based on the great trailer accompanying the casting announcement, just as well as I've pre-ordered the classic Doctor's bundle. But hearing you discuss his approach to the role and how he has researched Hartnell's performance was fascinating. It sounds like Stephen really cares about getting the performance just right, and I hope listeners respect this and remember there is so much more to recasting a role than just hiring a sound-alike or impressionist. I would really like to hear more from Stephen himself on his preparation and research for the role in the behind-the-scenes feature on the release, or perhaps even in a special podcast feature. You will hear more about that, and I did do a special podcast interview with Stephen just after he'd finished recording the, the whole of the box set. And so that that will be coming up in April, uh, a special interview. But yeah, exciting, also in the behind exciting. the scenes. Yeah, yeah, it's really nice. And Stephen speaks um, very intelligently about it. I, I shouldn't keep being nice about Stephen because he is listening. And it's just, it's embarrassing for both of us, frankly. Uh, the Outlaws is another exciting release to look forward to. And I feel 2022 is shaping up to be a really great year for classic Doctor Who at Big Finish. It's great that we now have the addition of full cast adventures for the first two Doctors although I do hope we've not seen the end of the Companion Chronicles and the early Adventures style release Um, not sure about the future of those to be honest Um, we do have this problem at Big Finish that we release so much that the releases end up as it were feeding off each other because people have to decide what to buy and they decide not to buy some things so it's too much choice can be a bit stifling I think ultimately anyway Perhaps that's too controversial a thing to say. (gasps) Oh, and how fantastic that the Unbound range has been resurrected. I've been a Big Finish customer ever since The Signs of Time was released, and I can't remember a year when there was so much that I was looking forward to in equal measure. That's brilliant. Thank you, Nathan. Uh, Keep up the fantastic work, and I hope to hear some more exciting announcements soon. Best wishes to all at Big Finish, Nathan Martin. Uh, Let's think up an exciting announcement for him. I'm going to have lunch soon. <laughs> hey, <It's, laughs> he really is that excited about his lunch. I'm really hungry. He's having roast cauliflower. Um, finally, uh, Christopher Stobart thing. returns here. The, uh, yeah, I the thought you'd relative appreciate of this. Eddie Stobart. Um, Eddie and me. Uh, subject: Eddie and me. Uh, dear Nick and Benji. 
Following your banter last week about my surname being the same as that of famous truck magnet, I thought I'd let you in on a couple of secrets. <laughs> Firstly, yes, I am related to Eddie. That's amazing! Having checked on Ancestry, I can safely say he is my seventh cousin once removed. There wow. we go. Bang! Is, it, is he winding us up, do you think? Probably. I don't know. I, I'd imagine so. Uh, but who knows <laughs> secondly I do have a closer claim to fame the film cameraman on the 1953 Everest expedition was one Tom Stobart who happened to be my half uncle uh, old enough to be my grandfather it's a long story uh, <laughs> if you've ever watched Conquest of Everest documentary film you'll have seen his name at the beginning wow. I never got to meet him sadly but I'm in contact with some of his descendants wow yeah. Wow. Brilliant, isn't it? I reckon the Eddie thing's true. I this, do too. I yes. think it's true. How exciting. Mm. Um, I enjoyed your Lost Stories tweet recently. You'll note in my, my reply I mentioned Flatlands again, as well as uh, Chris Bidmead's Pina Kotheka. I can never say this. I Pina don't know. Pina Kotheka. Pina Kotheka. I'm going to go with that. Should we, should should we test its pronunciation? Yeah. I thought uh, Christopher was going to say, and I'm also related to Chris Bidmead as well. Pinothica? Pinacoteca. Pinacotheca. 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 That's my pronunciation thing, is saying Pinacotheca. I've right clicked it on my Mac and done the speech thing. Pinacotheca. Well, Tika. Tika. Pinacotheca. I don't know, but um, some some rival rival speech things there um have a fab week chris i'll I'll certainly try to have a fab week well um no plans to do flatlands or pinacotica uh and uh, apologies for my failure to pronounce that correctly but but thank you chris that is fascinating stobart information that's it for the emails this week That tingling feeling you're experiencing is the Randomoid Selectatron powering up. It's preparing to deliver you a 25% discount on a randomly selected Big Finish release. So fasten your seatbelts, close your eyes, put your feet up, and prepare. Nick, I can hear you preparing. Are you coping any better with the suspense? It's killing me, Nick. Ah, It's killing... No, no! I can't understand. I can't understand the confusion in my mind. Um, <laughs> but before that, it's time for also available this week. Yes. We go behind the scenes with Space 1999 Earthbound Mooncatcher. Caught it. Hello, I'm Nick Briggs, and I am the director of Space 1999 Volume Two and the script editor for the series. Um, It's basically the equivalent of a skull and crossbones, recurring over and over. I got a bad feeling about this. Eagle Five, this is Koenig. Turn around, Paul. It's not safe. Mark Platt is an extraordinary writer, and he is very much his own kind of writer. He's not like any other writer I've encountered. And at Space 1999 always had sort of odd unexpected kinds of episodes it was it had that sort of feeling about it and it was david richardson the producer said should we ask mark to do one i thought yes he's gonna come up with something weird and uh, and 
atypical. I'm Mark Platt, and I wrote Space 1999 Mooncatcher. What I didn't want was a traditional humanoid guest villain with weird hairdo and makeup. I wanted to concentrate on the regular characters. That's, that's because it seemed to me that in the original TV series, the Alphans' reaction to what they've lost when they were torn away from the Earth has never really been explored. Each of them must have their own personal tragedy. I, I reckon there are a load of suppressed emotional undercurrents waiting to emerge, and there is still an alien presence for them to encounter. It's not exactly evil, but its raison d'etre is, is to survive and perpetuate itself, not unlike the Alphans themselves. The alien coral flower isn't exactly a virus, though it does infect people, but you could say it induces a plague of fear amongst the humans. It's like the sort of mob mentality that overrides common sense and reasonable behaviour. And in a closed society, th that's going to be a lot of trouble. My name is Mark Bonner, and I play Commander John Koenig. So, not so grumpy after all. Helena, sometimes. What? I know when I'm beaten. I thought uh, Mooncatcher was a really kind of, apart from the fact that it starts in a kind of weird way and you don't really understand what's going on. Are we time traveling? Are we, you know, jumping ahead in the future? And the reasons for it are really kind of, um, are really cleverly thought out and it becomes allegorical for for certain things in our own lives at the moment. I, I thought uh, Mark did a, a really wonderful job sort of um, combining, you know, high concept sci-fi with our own domestic struggles and uh, it pits the human, as all good scripts, uh, sci-fi scripts do, pits the, the domestic with the otherworldly. What he's written is a beautiful personal piece which really gives us an insight on Paul Morrow's character and his past and his regrets. And there is all sorts of weird... You can always guarantee that Mark will do some excessive weirdness in it, you know. There'll be flashbacks, there'll be strange creatures, there'll be weird things happening to people and all sorts of uh, emotional contradictions. And my job as the script editor with Mark was to just make sure that the audience picked up on everything he was trying to communicate. Something I've often said about Mark is that he's an extremely modest person. And so sometimes he's a little bit nervous about setting out his stall for everyone to see. So you'll say to Mark, in this scene, are they meant to be doing X, Y and Z? And he goes, oh, yes, absolutely. I said, maybe you need to say that. Oh, I didn't. OK, yeah, you know, and he's, it's almost like he didn't like to say. So the, the sort of tension between him being very bashful and sort of, um, what's the word, obscure, and me wanting everything to be blatantly obvious, between the two of us, it comes up with something really, I think, you know, it came out really, really well, the script. I'm Glenn McCready, and I play Paul Morrow and Alan Carter. I'm Jane Slavin, and I, I was going to say I play Celeste, but I don't play Celeste, I play Jeanette. I just had, I've had Celeste in my head all day. <laughs> Quarantine is the best place for us. Some day of celebration that was. And now I've put the whole of Alpha in danger. Oh, yes, Paul. Oh, yes. How very like you. 
So there's all sorts of things going on for Paul Morrow in uh, this episode. Uh, he's being forced to deal with a lot of things that I'm guessing he's repressed. So this this strange alien entity is 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 forcing these memories of uh, his fiancée, Jeanette, to the surface and this whole bad luck that uh, the delay and timing and everything, he, he wasn't able to, to leave the project, you know, that he had to see through to completion and ended up, of course, catapulted into who knows where on Moonbase Alpha and he's reliving that awful, awful regret and guilt. Thank God we finally got through to you. What is it, Alan? Delta One has started moving. What? Are you sure? There was no sign of movement before. Uh, We're sure, Commander. It's following you and heading for us. When I asked Nick about her, and he said, make sure she doesn't... He doesn't want her to sound naggy. But she's... And she's not naggy at all. But she's forced into this situation where she has to say to him, she's a regular scientist in her own right. You know, she she has the knowledge too, but not necessarily the opportunity Although she's, you know, forced to be reckoned with, she's also in love and in a pickle. And he's he's abandoning her, basically. Not, I mean, through no fault of his own, but maybe he could... I don't know, could he come back? My name's Amaka Okafor and I play Dashka. My name is Susan Hingley and I play Sandra Bennis. OK, you better talk me through it. Its mass is shifting and its density is on the up. What the hell's it doing? And look at this. The circumference is definitely shrinking. What the hell? What I really love about recording sessions is you're interacting during the recording, but like chatting in between on breaks and stuff. And working from home has been great during COVID because that was the only option. But um, you really miss that interaction and seeing other actors. So I, I really prefer coming in and seeing Amica. Mm, yeah, I feel very like our characters particularly as well Sandra and Dashka I feel like we're sort of the same rank if you know what I mean when I knew that Susan was coming in today I was so pleased because actually I just wanted to catch up with her and see how she was and then managing to grab chats on coffee breaks and stuff like that it it actually builds up care for her character as well so like we had a scene when I was asking her how she was like if she was feeling okay and I was like this just feels like it's coming from a truer deeper place because I actually have had a chance to catch up with Susan and see how she is you know my name is Maria Teresa Creasy and I play Dr. Helena Russell my name's Tim Bentink and I play Commissioner Simmons seriously someone needs to tell the commissioner that we will not be home in time for Christmas Not ever, ever again. You can't help but look out and wonder. I mean, the sky is huge and what's beyond, who knows? And there is a real sense of of wonder. I think I'm sort of shocked at the idea that people would imagine that we're the only people in the universe. That's ridiculous. So I'm constantly up there, but the only way I'm ever going to get out there is in my head. And the reality will be much stranger and probably far more inhospitable than I could ever imagine. I've always been a bit dwami. My head's always been in the clouds. My report cards were, were always Mark would get on better if he spent more time on his work and less time staring out the window. So I think that my head is uh, and always has been in the clouds. Um, my feet have to be on the ground 
from time to time to deal with, well, to deal with the domesticity of, of daily life. As we all are, I'm sure, you know, I'm, I find myself in between the two. I think there's always that time, every time I've ever been on holiday and gone down to the beach, and there you are at night lying on the beach and looking up at the stars, and there's, you know, you're lying next to someone and you're both looking up at the stars, and that's when you have that conversation about if infinity and how far does it go and what is it that's out there, and there's this, that curiosity and that's where the space shots came from. It's the same, you know, human incurable curiosity about what is it that's out there. Uh, just go to bigfinish.com and type earthbound, uh, as one word, into the search pane at the top to head out into the infinity of space. There was a very good game in the 90s called Earthbound. It was all about aliens invading and it's fantastic um mm. i just felt the need to say that because i saw it I, it's only when it was in capitals that i put the link together and they're not linked but in my mind they are but don't forget stand, that we're I just stand. minutes away from our 15 minutes drama tease oh. of space 1999 earthbound uh moon catcher but first It's the Randomoid Selectrotron, offering you a 25% discount on a randomly selected Big Finish release. So, come on then, what have we got? It's one! Doctor Who, Philip Hinchcliffe Presents, Volume 1. Oh. That's uh, two lovely stories there with that wonderful uh, gothic horror Philip Hinchcliffe Edge, uh, starring Tom Baker and Louise Jameson in The Ghosts of Gralstead. And the devils are madder. Mm. Um, let's hear the trailer. Lavender's black, diddle diddle, lavender's white. When I am queen, diddle diddle, who'll be my knight? Coming soon from Big Finish Productions, Doctor Who, Philip Hinchcliffe presents The Ghosts of Gralstead. Doctor McDivitt's exhibition of living wonders and curiosities. Uh. Is that something a lady should understand? It's a display of unfortunate physical specimens, otherwise known as a freak show. My gift, gentlemen, it doesn't just heal. It protects as well. Those men who are hunting you, who are they? On the top floor, a shadow drinking in the light. I am monstrous! My shape will not settle. Trapped here forever. Why do you want the corona? This is the night the grousted ghost walks again. Where, Clemmy? Where is your ghost? Clemmy! What are you? <laughs> are you afraid? Will you struggle? Go on, put up a fight. Get away from me! Edward shall trample you underfoot! Let me see. You ought to stay here. Yes, but I... That Aspidistra has a lean and hungry look. I like it not. Such Aspidistras are dangerous, so don't let it out of your sight. The Devil's Armada. These are dark days. They say the world is out of joint. The stars are full of portents, and the roads are full of spies. Imps and devils wait at every turn. Mm. My men will search every crack in this house. Any Catholic priest they pull from your walls will face the road. Can you feel the air? It has gone warm. It's fear. Something is watching. My head! 
My head is burning. Ugh. A face looked over my shoulder, an ugly face with burnt skin and its eyes were green. Burning with green fire, surely you saw. This is not your world. Who are you? Let him go, old woman. Now, Leela, there's an alien invasion coming. Big finish. We love stories. This is my Earth. I think this was the first of the Tom Baker ones we did that I didn't direct. Um, a great cast of lovely people we've viewed. There's Carolyn Seymour's in there. Uh, Sean Carson's playing Ned Davy, not Narvin. Narvin. Tim Bentink. Obviously, Joe Jameson. Joe Jameson's well. Brilliant. Oh, some great people in there. And Emerald O'Hanrahan. Not Brian O'Hanrahan. Peter O'Hanrahan. Was it from the... the, the I'm going nowhere with that reference. <coughs> anyway, yeah, Andy Seacombe. Andy Seacombe Andy worked guy. with Andy a lot. Yeah, yeah, son of Harry Seacombe. And um, if he ruled the world, it's rubbish. Do you know what the problem is? Stephen Noonan saying how brilliant it is to listen to it. And I feel such pressure to be entertaining. So, well, you are I'm, entertaining. I'm completely failing to be entertaining. Anyway, um, <clears throat> good. Well, uh, while I email Jackie Emery at Big Finish to make sure she knows which release uh, to attach to this offer, could you explain it uh, for the uninitiated, please, Benji? I certainly can. Can you see Thank me changing colour? Look at this. Ooh, how do you do that? I've got lights behind me, you see. Very good. It's very exciting, isn't it? Uh, yes, so if you want to get your uh, hands on this lovely release, there's actually a top secret way that you can do that. You go to bigfinish.com for the love of stories uh, and then you go f- across the menu to podcasts once you're in there you have right. the podcast in question and it will say read more I know you want to read mm-hmm. more because that's where the goodies are when you click read more you'll have the podcast in question the current podcast and it will say there in the uh, in the little blurb it will say the randomoid selectron also features offering you a 25% reduction on the selected release. Just click here and enter the code BUCKUP. And BUCKUP is spelt B-U-C-K-U-P. All capital letters, no spaces, no punctuation, no complications, just one big party in the nation to get yourself 25% reduction. And it's great. It helps save some money, helps you to get those releases that you wanted for a while but maybe haven't had a chance to get. This one... Well, it's the Philip Hinchcliffe box set, and I wholeheartedly recommend that you go forth and grab it. Nicely done, Benji. Um, Thanks, Ran. You thrilled us again. We'll be back next week with a podcast entitled Unit 7 Monster. (laughs) I'm quite proud of that title. It's a good... Uh, It works. Yeah, yeah. Because it will feature Unit Nemesis 2, the Blake 7 Baben Ascending audiobook, and Stingray, Monster from the Deep. So exciting. Here's the trailer for Stingray, Monster of the Deep. Monster from the Deep. Some deep monster. Meep. Anderson Entertainment presents... Stand by for action! I will prepare a little surprise for the accursed Troy Tempest. We are about to launch Stingray. Stingray, Stingray, Stingray. Good luck, Troy. You did.
didn't meet up with that overgrown eel on your way through. Does it look like it? Boy, that's a whale of a coastline. What do we do? Shut our eyes and stick a pin in the chart? Over the side with her. could happen in the next half hour. Oh, gee. You don't think I'm a spy planning to blow up Marineville, do you, Commander? He will destroy Tempest. Like a tiny sun in the black void of space. If Stingray is in trouble... Stingray! Stingray! No one will come to its aid. Stingray! 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 Stingray, Monster from the Deep, by John Thaden. Adapted by Ben Page. Narrated by Wayne Forrester. Just time now to thank you all once again for listening and continuing to support our audio endeavours. Please, whatever you do, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and pass the word around about... Oh, big finish! For the love of stories. Oh, those stories. Big finish. For the love of stories. Time now for Space 1999, Earthbound, Mooncatcher by Mark Platt. And now we come to the final award of the night. The Pevensey Award for Lifetime Scientific Achievement. And here to present it, just flown in all the way from Moonbase Alpha, is World Space Commission Commander John Koenig. Thank you. Thank you. Good evening. I've uh, known the um, winner of this year's award for some 20 years. He's a renowned astrophysicist who, when he was working in Hawaii, discovered the planet Ultra. He's worked on moon base Alpha from the start, developing our gravity systems, which keep all our feet on the ground. <laughs> and he's been with us ever since as head of our science department. He's famously unflappable, with an endlessly inquiring mind that leaves the rest of us blind. He also plays the violin and makes a mean brandy Alexander. There's no limit to his talents. But he can speak for himself. I am delighted to present this year's Pevensey Award to esteemed colleague and great friend, Professor Victor Bergman. If he's here, Victor. Yes, I'm here. Victor Bergman, anyone seen him? <laughs> I'm here, John. Victor, come on, don't be modest. Over here. Can I get through, please? No sign. Oh, sorry, folks. He's uh, he's probably back at work. No. Sorry, sir. So. No, I'm here! John, it's me! John! You okay? Yes, I think so. How much longer? It's getting stuffy in here. And that taste in the air is getting worse. 
like carbolic. And overripe strawberries. The deluge will start soon. Oh, we'll be fine, Paul. Oh, this damn stuff. I wouldn't scratch it if I were you. It's getting tight on my throat. I know. Mine too. Professor, you know there's more growing on your forehead. Oh, I thought it might be. We're a threat to the base. It was stupid of me to drag you out there. No, you didn't. I couldn't wait to explore that thing. Quarantine is the best place for us. Some day of celebration that was. And now I've put the whole of Alpha in danger. Oh, yes, Paul. Oh, yes. How very like you. Well, she's certainly a charmer. Have Joy and Ray decided on a name yet? Not yet. Why, uh, it should be something special. Moon-based, like Celine or Diana, maybe. John, I think they should make their own minds up, don't you? She's going to be spoiled rotten anyway. Oh, she's so sweet. The last thing we want is her growing up to be some kind of mascot. That's true. Maybe I should make a speech. Probably not. Oh, it's important, <laughs> Helen. Commander, can I have a word? Uh, um... Commissioner, good evening. It's quite an occasion. Uh, yes. Well, something to celebrate for once. And let's hope it's the first of many. Hmm, perhaps. But what we need to talk about is... Is it about the nuclear storage project? Has John spoken to you? I'm sorry, what? That's what? right. The project's going okay. But it needs someone experienced to take charge. And I thought, Commissioner, that... Resources. That's what we need to talk about. We're a year out, and things are already getting run down. You think I don't know that? We can't keep patching things up forever. That's the problem with built-in obsolescence. But it's not just that. There's too much waste of food and energy. The birth of a child means Alpha is no longer a base, it's a colony. The longer we're out here, the harder it'll be to get us home. You really think that's still an option? And why not? Simmons, my offer stands. Speak to Paul Morrow. Or Victor. But John, I... Sandra, where's Paul got to? <sighs> He's on duty. He changed shift so the others wouldn't miss out. Well, that's thoughtful. Tell me about it. He doesn't do parties. Oh, that reminds me. Everybody! Everyone! Listen up. Oh, lordy. It's uh, a special occasion. Our first newborn Alphan. So I, I thought I should say a few words. Oh, 
come on, Paul. I'll sit in for you. I don't mind. Go and stick your head round the door for five minutes, just to raise a glass. It's not my sort of thing. It's okay. You've missed the commander's speech. Someone has to keep the place running. I'm sure we can cope. Go on. You should see the baby. She's adorable. Poor little mite. Why do you say that? Before she was born, the youngest person on Alpha was 23. By the time she's our age, we'll all be dead or senile, with no one in between. Paul, are you okay? It's true. Look, thanks for thinking of me, but I've got status reports to log. They can wait. No. Okay, okay. Don't say I didn't offer. See you later, probably. Damn. Sandra, I'm so... Incoming communication. All right, let's hear it. Computer, can you clean it up? What was that? No idea. Incoming communication. Another one? Okay, let's hear it. Computer, what's the source? Assessing data. Paul. Incoming messages, Commander. Messages. More than one. Incoming communication. And another. On my way. Computer, cut the sound. Victor, what do you think? How many transmissions did computer detect? Sixteen, so far. Varying strengths. Sixteen? And all from the same source. Dashka, bring up the image. It's an uncharted object, about 2,000 miles from us, roughly six miles across. Too small to be a planet. But not jagged like an asteroid. That's intriguing. Can we scan closer? It's on max resolution already. Computer designates it as Object Delta-1. So, we have a smooth, blank sphere with no discernible features. Possibly not even natural. A construct. Maybe it's some sort of relay station. That would explain the repeating transmissions. Hmm. And the different languages and signals. But computer hasn't detected any life signs on the surface. Those transmissions might have been running for years. Or perhaps we activated them. Fascinating. Dashka, can you isolate and play the first transmission? Here it is. It sounds urgent. And the others all have the same tone. Maybe a warning beacon. Hazard ahead. Keep clear. Or a distress call. Pleading for help. Either way, we need to find out. The fact is, we just don't know. John, are we going to take a closer look? Uh, maybe. This could give us vital information, John. Well, unless it's a trap. We won't take any risks, and we'll be ready for trouble. Paul, I need to think this one over. All right. But the sooner we get started, the better. That's a plea for help in any language. I'm not so sure. Really? <laughs> You're usually pretty keen to get out there and investigate. I got the safety of 324 lives to think about. Well, that's 325 now. You see, and Simmons was right. 
Our resources are on the slide. John, the whole of Alpha has been going stir-crazy for months. They need a distraction. Well, so do I, but... Commander. Come in, Paul. Uh, Commander, I've... If it's about whether we take a closer look at Delta-1, I'm still thinking. I've, uh, taken the liberty of having Eagle-5 prepped and ready for takeoff. <laughs> well, that is something of a liberty, Paul. Sorry, Commander. You want me to have it returned to the hangar? Look, Paul... Commander, if Eagle-5 is going to be heading for Delta-1, I'd like to volunteer to go. I'd be happy to take him with me. Is this a delegation or a mutiny? <laughs> What are you going to do, Captain Bly? Keelhaul him? <laughs> Look, with the resources starting to dwindle on Alpha, I have to be careful about what we expend our energies on. Commander, the professor managed to get more magnification for our scans. How'd you do it, Victor? By bouncing the scanner signal through our defense array. John, I'd put money on that thing being a technological artifact. It could be full of all kinds of useful... Or it could be a bomb. John... Are you really going to risk having to tell your grandchildren about the day you didn't bother to investigate the big round alien thing that could have saved our lives? Grandchildren? I'd have to have children first, Helena. Well, none of us knows what the future holds. What's that? A threat or a promise? Uh, um, <clears throat> all that aside, we'd only have to get close enough to run a full spectrographic scan. And if there was trouble, we could easily turn tail and leave. Okay, okay. Take Eagle 5 into closer range, but no further contact with that thing unless I authorize it. Go. Go. Oh. Thank you, Commander. Professor, right behind you. So, not so grumpy after all. Helena. Sometimes. What? I know when I'm beaten. to main mission. Eagle 5 ready to go. Cleared for launch, Eagle 5. Lifting off now. Let us know when you're in range for a full scan. Will do. Estimated time of arrival, about three hours. I've set up a direct feed from you back here to computer. Thanks, Tashka. Corning out. He's not happy. He has a lot to worry about. Goes with the job. The day-to-day -day grind never lets up. Nothing to look forward to. <laughs> Isn't there? I see nothing but fresh opportunities. There's so much that's new, I barely have time to think. Look at you. Here we are, out in empty space. Paul! Paul! Come on, then! Uh, you were saying? Uh, oh, uh, yeah. All that space, but our world has shrunk to the size of a prison cell. Oh, I don't think it's like that at all. I see it as a privilege. I look out of the window at millions of stars and suddenly they're within reach. And I'm the luckiest man alive. Paul! Up here! <laughs> Where are you going? Jen! Jeanette! Hang on! <laughs> Jen! <laughs> <gasps> 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 
morning. Oh, I'm so warm. Get out of the way, then. Oh. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> oh, oh, it's gorgeous. Oh, just look at us. In Madagascar, in a pool by a waterfall in the rainforest. Oh, how did that happen? <laughs> oh, together. We seem to be here sooner than expected. What? Uh, uh, Paul, you're right. Eagle 5 to Alpha. How's it looking, Paul? You should be receiving our scanner transmissions. See for yourself. Well, this is fascinating. The surface of Delta-1 seems to be formed of large, featureless plates. I'd say more organic than mineral. Paul, the scanner transmissions cut out about ten minutes ago.